I'll tell you what. I have never in my entire life met anyone who loves the Psalms as much as Jim. I, I mean, you, he can't go five minutes in a conversation without talking about something that he's read in the book of Psalms. And so as we were jumping into this series, I knew that, that he had to come and, and share one of these messages. And so would you welcome Jim this morning as he comes to share? Thank you, Pastor Paul. Isn't Pastor Paul a great coach? I think that this, I think that this camp that's coming up and the personality that Pastor Paul is developing in this church is really healthy, right? Because we need a good coach. We need a good example to follow, a, a word to follow. And I'm going to ask Martha to come on up. Um, we are going to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, I've noticed as people have spoken recently that uh, sometimes traditionally we'll have another person read the scripture and then the pastor comes in and preaches. I got a little bit of echo here. I don't know if you can pull that back just a tiny bit. But just a background of this scripture for us. Um, if we go back several decades, I won't say how many decades, but a number of decades, uh, I saw and we saw a person in Sunday night church. They used to have Sunday night church, like our Unite service, right? Every Sunday night, and there were a lot of testimonies, a lot of singing, and one Sunday night, late summer, a woman got up, and she, with her hands on the pew in front of her, 80 years old, quoted a chapter of the Bible. And I was like, whoa. I didn't even know anybody could do that, let alone an 80-year-old woman, and that set us on a course of memorizing Scripture as we had our family. I'll go back just a little bit. 1983, the fall of 1983, we went to a conference together and the speaker challenged us, would you commit to spend five minutes in Psalms and Proverbs every day? And so we took that challenge and we have been doing that for almost those number of decades. I won't say how many decades, right? We've been doing that for many years and as a family we started memorizing Psalm 34. And we've just been so blessed by it. We want to do this not as an example to say, hey, look at us, how great we are. We want to show you, by example, how great the Word of God is. Amen. God's Word is so good. He is so faithful. And this is so full of prophetic blessing and promise that we just want to declare this to you today. Okay, Psalm 34. Ready? Ready. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Stop for a second. If you want to get your English Standard Version Bible, it's in the pocket behind you. It's very close to this version that we memorized. It's so close, it's rather minimal. But if you want to read it from the book and see it, if you're a visual person, now's your opportunity. Get your Bible out. Get that Bible out. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions shall lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. 
Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord, who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Psalm 34. Notice that it starts with two words. What are they? I will. The will, I'm going to read something real quickly. The will is one of the most powerful things that we have in our life, right? He says, I will. And if you want, if you're taking notes today, write those two words down. I will. I began seeing those in Scripture uh, particularly the Psalms in the last few years. He is a man of commitment. David wrote most of the Psalms, not all of them, but he is a man of personal commitment, and he starts with those words, I will. We start marriages with that, don't we? Yes. Will you take this, this one to be your lawfully wedded, right? And the person says, I will. Will you take this one to be your lawfully wedded? I will. We start our marriage walk with commitment, don't we? I will. And David is echoing that same expression or similar expression of commitment. He says, I will. This is from uh, Andrew Murray. The book is With Christ in the School of Prayer. And he, say, he states, the will rules the whole heart and life. If I really will to have something that is in my reach, I do not rest until I have it. When Jesus asks us, what wilt thou? He asks whether it is our intention to get what we ask for at any price. However great the sacrifice do you really will to have it enough to pray continuously until he hears you, no matter how long it takes? Now, a question right there. Is it that God does not hear us? I think that is a manner of speaking, isn't it? God hears us. He knows us. Sometimes he wants us to press in, press on, press through, whatever that obstacle is. He goes on, faith is nothing but the purpose of the will resting in God's word and says, I must have it. To truly believe is to will firmly. That's worth the whole price of everything this morning. To believe truly is to will firmly. In other words, if we don't have any will, it's kind of a, oh, well, whatever happens, you know, I'm just going along and God's doing it all. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. And David is living proof of that, isn't he? Last thing he says about will, this is very powerful. The will is the highest power 
of the soul. It's a good thing. God gave us this. Grace desires above everything to sanctify and restore this will to full and free exercise because it is one of the chief traits of God's image. God's image is one that wills. And he has imparted that power, that blessing, that authority to us to be agents of will, of his will. And David starts this psalm today with, I will. I will. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Okay, the background of this psalm is that David went from hero fighting Goliath to zero in the eyes of Saul, and he was on the run. He actually ran to their enemy, to, to Philistines, and he was in the camp of the enemy. Imagine that. He was the hero last week. Now he's running for his life. And he plays this, apparently plays this part that he's really not all there. And the king sends him away. And David, in his relief, I went into the enemy's camp and I'm back alive. I will bless the Lord at all times. It wasn't just before Goliath. God was with me. He was with me in the enemy's camp. David was anointed as no other man other than Christ. Uh, Louis Giglio in his book, Goliath Must Fall, he asserts that David, he asserts that David was a thousand years ahead of his time. A thousand years before Pentecost, he was expressing love and devotion and intimacy with the Father that people didn't have until Pentecost. It was a rather uh, law-based, duty-based, duty-bound relationship with God. David speaks of him as a lover. How can this be? He had a spirit anointing that was greater than we fully understand, but we can pursue him. We can follow him as an example. uh, this came just this morning. This is, this, is, uh, this is free. Our greatest satisfaction, our greatest destiny, our greatest fulfillment in life will come through our restored spirit. Our restored spirit, man. Our faith walk. Eternal pursuit. This is what we're destined for. David was called a man after God's own heart. And I read several things of what people believe that means. Was it, was it an example or a template? Was it because he was such a great model? He was such a moral man? He wasn't perfect. Was it really that he was pursuing? He never let up. He continued to pursue. He's after God's heart. Now, Pastor Paul does a really good job at jokes, doesn't he? He's got so many jokes. He's got so many stories that today I'm kind of like, I'm not really a joke guy, but I have a story. It's good. I hope it's good for you. It's about worship. Because if we could put a banner over David's life, that was one of the flags. One of the banners that flew over his life was worship, wasn't it? Warrior was another banner over his life. Shepherd, he was a very tender, caring shepherd, wasn't he? He was also king. And last, he was prophet. This is all prophecy. This is so much prophetic declaration. Get into the Psalms. It will speak to you. Here it is. Here's my story. A woman entered a haagen store on the Kansas City Plaza for an ice cream cone. After making her selection, she turned and found herself facing movie actor Paul Newman. Some of you may recognize that name. Who was in town filming the movie Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. He smiled and said, 
Hello. Newman's eyes, his brilliant blue eyes, caused her knees to shake. She managed to pay for her cone and then left the shop, heart pounding. She had met a movie idol. When she gained her composure, she realized she didn't have her ice cream cone. <laughs> so she started back into the store to get her snack. And Newman met her at the door. Are you looking for your ice cream? He asked. She nodded, unable to speak. You just put it in your purse with your change. <laughs> and the question is asked, when was the last time the presence of God quickened your pulse? When was the last time I was silent before him, unable to speak? For his magnificence, his brilliance. Oh, we were, we were finding the outskirts of his glory, weren't we, this morning? Yes. Make his praise glorious. He's worthy. And there's something afoot that we have been seeing for the last years. I've noticed it. Have you noticed it? Worship takes us closer, and we think, this is the farthest we've ever gone before. There can't be anywhere closer than this. Oh, there's more. There's more. He wants to take this body closer, further, and deeper. And as we pursue him alone in our quiet time, we come together, and this is going to only increase, right? When was the last time I was moved to tears in worship in his presence? When was the last time I was moved to gratefulness of expression for all of his goodness? That was David's. That was the fountain, the continuous spring of his life, right? Oh, there was some complaining. There was some depression. He was a real man. He had real problems, lots of problems. He was a king. And there were people who were after him. But the, but the wellspring of his life was worship and praise. We have a rare opportunity this morning to learn from the best. The voice of the psalmist, David. He learned in quiet reflection out on the hillsides. You know, if you want to, hear, if you want to learn something these days, you just jump on YouTube, right? How do I tear this apart, get it back together in one piece? Amen. A lot of us are good at taking things apart, but try getting it back together. Well, that's what we do is we go to YouTube to try to find out the take apart and the put back together. Psalm 34 is kind of a YouTube video of worship, a 3,000-year-old video where David is going, okay, here's how, here's how we worship. Here's how we follow him. Here's how we pursue him. Watch me. And we say, I see you. I can mimic that. I can follow that. So the first point that came close for me, and I was going to call Pastor Paul a couple of weeks ago, because we had talked a, few, a month back about this, and I was going to call Paul and just say, I'm against the wall. I got nothing. Uh, what do I do? I almost called him, and I, I, I really heard and sensed, just wait. How many times does David say, wait? Wait upon the Lord. He's going to show up. And one morning, I, we, we take care of uh, Vivian on Mondays and Wednesdays, and I was holding Vivian, and Grandpa's in the glory. <laughs> We're talking, Martha and I are talking, and all of a sudden, whew, I begin to see, I begin to understand. I just started quietly writing. It wasn't, it wasn't fireworks, but it was good. So I hope that you are blessed by this as I was in seeing it. Because we want to see, right? Did you hear that in the scripture? It's a very tactile expression. He's talking about seeing, he's talking about hearing, he's talking about God having his face at you. The faith walk is a very tactile experience. If we're bored, that's our problem. Because we are not walking in the adventure 
of faith with this amazing God. That's our problem. Okay, so what I saw first, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What I saw was the narrative of the believer's mouth is praise, blessing, thanksgiving, declaring life. How many know that takes some practice, right? Maybe you grew up in a family system or generational system that did not practice this. Well, guess what? We've got a new model. We can follow his model. Oh, by the way, if you're taking notes, draw a little mouth there. It's really good to draw pictures because it helps you remember. Because part of our problem is you'll be to the parking lot and say, what was that message about? It was really good, but we can't remember it. Raise your hand if that happens to you. It happens to me. So the more we interact, draw a little picture or doodle on the side. Some of you are really good at doodling. I know I've seen some of your doodling. You're pretty amazing. Another thing that is from the Proverbs that says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we, gotta, we have to practice putting life into our heart, right? Because we can be saved and still be some of the grumpiest people around. By the way, I saw a guy yesterday who said, I'm grumpy and so watch out kind of a thing on his t-shirt. And I said, well, thanks for the warning. He got a good <laughs> kick out of that. I'm grumpy. Some of us, uh, do you wear that as a badge? I'm grumpy and it's my right. Look out. The narrative of the believer's mouth is praise. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Words of life, words of direction. Are you giving direction? Loving direction, not commanding direction. Like, hey, you do that or else. How about loving direction? Hope, words of hope. Does our culture need hope? Help. Hey, can I help you with that? Some of you walk in that gift. And by the way, if you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, walk in help and service. It's easy. There's so many places to help and serve. They're all over the place, right? Encouragement. Filling each other with courage. Is my mouth, what's coming out of my mouth? Your mouth, this may be radical for you, your mouth is an instrument of authority. When God created the world, what did he do? He said, let there be. He just spoke it. Whoa. That's authority. And he has, he has shared that authority with us. We can speak life. We can speak death. We can speak blessing. We can speak cursing. Book of James, read it. It won't take you very long. This is our problem, isn't it? We can flow back and forth between blessing and cursing. That's heart work. We've got to do heart work. This is done before, in our quiet time, before the Father, right? Real life. And before our brothers and sisters, because we're maturing together, right? Build up or tear down. What's my mouth doing? Is it building up or is it tearing down? You can tear down pretty quickly, right? You've all seen those buildings go. And what took years to build, it's down in seconds. It's just a pile of rubble. They bring trucks and cart it off, right? Verbal violence and disrespect are rampant in our world today. God is calling his church to focus to a focus that is radically different from the world. We are contrary to the world, and it's going to take some dedication and will, right? I will. I will bless. Blessing, my son shared this with us this week, blessing is more powerful than cursing. You believe it? Blessing is more powerful than cursing. We, we see, hear a lot of destruction. We hear a lot of cursing, and we are countering that with God's word, with what God says. It must be expressed. It must be enacted and expressed. Second point. Oh, I love these first two. He says, 
my soul shall make its boast in the Lord, right? Who talks like that? Anybody know a man who talks like this? Men don't talk like this. Lovers talk like this. Admirers talk like this. But the common man does not talk like this. Men, God is calling us to a new language, to a new vocabulary. We boast in him. We build up others. Let's go to the verse that says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Why do we meet like this every week? Is it just sort of a week after week routine? Or is this like, is this the zenith of the week where we go, yes, this is the best day of the week. My work is okay, but this is really, this is the best. That's where we want to be, right? Uh, Warren Wiersbe in his book, Be Joyful, says this about magnifying. Does Christ need to be magnified? After all, how, how can a mere human being ever magnify the Son of God? Well, the stars are much bigger than the telescope, and yet the telescope magnifies them and brings them closer. The believer's body and life is to be a telescope that brings Jesus Christ close to people. To the average person, Christ is very tiny and no big deal, right? Eh. Christ is a misty figure in history who lived centuries ago, but the unsaved person watches the believer go through a crisis. They can see Jesus magnified and brought so much closer. To the Christian with a single mind, Christ is here with us. That's his name, Emmanuel, right? God is with us. How can this be? The telescope brings distant things closer. The microscope makes tiny things look big. To the unbeliever, Jesus is not very big. Other people and other things are far more important. The economy, our next vacation, the sporting event, all those things are so... But, but the unbeliever watches the Christian go through that crisis experience, and he ought to be able to see how big Jesus Christ really is. The believer's body and life is a lens that makes a little Christ look very big, and a distant Christ come very close. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Second point, the appetite of the spirit-filled believer is for the Lord. For the things of the spirit, for the best. How many of you would rather have a bag of American chocolate? It's full of wax and all kinds of other things, right? Big bag or a piece of fine European chocolate. Because we've all eaten that American chocolate, and it's like, I think maybe I need another one. Maybe the second one. Oh, maybe another one. And it does not satisfy, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. We want the best, and we want the greater things. Are we after the greater things, or are we just after just filler food? You ever eaten food, and you just go, this is really not that great. Why am I eating this? Ah, more sauce on it. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, we have a wonderful blessing in our church, and that is Steve and Ann Bateman. They are beekeepers, and they have, have you spent a lifetime doing bees or the last years? Seven years. Seven years. David said in Psalm 19, your word is better than gold. It's, it's better than honey. And honey, Anne's going to come up and she's going to show us uh, part of their honey production here today. Honey was the equivalent of the best food that they could have in their world. It was like candy. It was like superfood. You see those commercials for superfood? This was superfood of the ancient world, right? And so Anne's going to come up and show us this uh, bee. What is this? Tell us what this is. Okay. I don't think they can hear me. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Pastor Paul has one there. Here, I'll hold that for you. 
you can. Oh, okay. No, you, why well, don't you pick this? So this is, a, this is a bee, what do this you call this? A frame of honey. A this bee frame, and do you see all that honey that's packed in there? So some of this is covered up already. Some of it's covered up. They cover it up with a layer of wax, but they don't do that until it's just perfect and then they'll cover it up. So some of this is sealed and some of it's not. This is heavy. This can weigh up to 10 pounds or more. Wow. And so there's like uh, 10 of these or nine of these in, in one box. So when we lift them up, that's when I really like to have Steve around to help pick it up and move it for me. And can you tell us one thing that you appreciate about bees? Well, of course, the honey. The honey? <laughs> but, but the... You know, these are, the bees are just, they're just bugs. You know, they're just insects, but they're so remarkable. God made them so remarkable. Honeybees have this whole community, this whole division of labor. You know, some bees are nurse bees that take care of the baby larvas. Some are guard bees that don't let anyone in the door that doesn't belong in the door. Some of them are foragers and some get pollen, some get nectar. So, and they all work together, and they don't have arguments, and they, everybody kind of just knows what they want to do, and the queen lays about a thousand eggs a day. Wow. So it's busy, and uh, so we're real careful when we go in there, because they're willing to give up their life to defend their hive. Wow. And then we get honey. Thank you, Anne, and Steve, let's give a, let's give a hand of appreciation. What's that, sweetie? Have some. Stick your finger in there. Uh, maybe later. Thank you. Uh, contrary to belief, uh, honey does not come from those little bears in the grocery store. It comes from this kind of labor. So why do we talk about honey here? We're having a sermon because David said your word and your presence is even better than that. And that was the best of its time. And to have gold in your hand, that was the greatest value. David said, you are more, you are worth more than that. All right, so the appetite of the spirit-filled believer is on the Lord. It's on the best, on the greater things. <clears throat> Notice how many times he says, I will. Dig in. Enjoy your time in the Psalms, finding that. Let's go to verse 11 through 14 where he says, Come, you children. Listen to me. He's speaking down through the ages. 3,000 years ago, this man is calling out to us. We have an opportunity to be mentored by a king. Who has that privilege, right? Wise men, kings, priests, and prophets. The Savior is mentoring us, right? He says, come, you children, listen to me. I drew a picture of an ear. Okay, so uh, on the second one, Draw a picture of an eye, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Draw a mouth, draw eyes. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is not just a cognitive study. This is not just a brain thing. This is your life. He wants to walk with you in your life. Every situation, the ears of the believer are tuned to the voice of the Spirit. Tune to the voice of the Spirit, hearing God's voice. What is God saying to you? Tune to the word of wisdom, the counsel of a father. How many of you had a father? You don't have to answer. How many of you had a father who would call you like this? Come, let's talk. I'm going to share with you this word of wisdom. We usually don't relate that way, do we? But here is a father. A surrogate, a stand-in, he's saying, come, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. How many have those regrets of saying, oh, I wish I would have listened in that class. I wish I would have taken that word of, of advice. Well, we probably all have that, but regret doesn't move us forward. If we feel regret, we can recognize that and then begin to move forward. Chuck Swindoll, probably in the late 70s, early 80s, I heard him in a sermon, and this stuck with me. It's never too late to start doing what is right. That is reality. Yesterday's gone. But today, I can spend time with God. I can change my destiny. 
today, one day at a time, one minute at a time. Do you have five minutes today? You know, when Jesus was going to the cross, there were a couple of sisters. Uh, one was arguing that the other was not helping out, right? And Mary, she just wanted to spend five minutes with him. She didn't know, but he was going to the cross. Can we give five minutes? Five minutes to the one who has devoted himself to us. Oh, I have one of the boys, I don't know if you know, in the last couple of years I've been working with autistic boys. Love those boys. I believe for those boys. God's going to restore them. But one of, one of my boys, he, he kind of gets lost a little bit, talking movie talk. And if you've ever been around somebody who does that, it's really entertaining. But after a while, it's like, okay, so how are we going to make some progress here? And his para says, I will listen. And he parrots back, I will lip, I will listen. I will listen. And then it focuses him back. And we begin to communicate again. That's what God's saying here. That's what the Father is saying. Will you listen to me? Remember Samuel in the Old Testament. He heard God's voice. And he kept going to the priest and saying, here I am. What do you want? And the priest realized, oh, he's hearing God's voice. So he said, you say to him, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. How many times in this psalm are we hearing, are we noticing, seeing, hearing, my heart responding to you? This is real life. This is a real walk with God. All right, next one in, chapter, in verse uh, 15 through 22. Despite circumstances, the heart of the believer is set on faith, trust, deep intimacy. This is the deepest relationship you'll ever have. Marriage is deep. Marriage is close. We work at that, don't we? But this is deeper. Deep, into, deep intimacy and relationship with the Father where we bear ourselves before him, right? We bear our hearts, walk in heart relationship with him. Uh, I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but there was a theologian who said, the Bible is so diverse. It is so capable of meeting every need. So much so that if, if scripture is an ocean, the smallest child can come and play at the water's edge. Bucket, shovel, They've been to the ocean. It's this deep, right? And the greatest theologian can go out into the deeps, into the greatness of who God is and what he has said and how it applies to our life. Never touch the bottom. How many of you could go to the ocean and you could say, I'm going to go to the bottom? It's 20,000 feet deep and more in some places. God's word is so good. It's a treasure. And last... Let me repeat that again. Despite circumstances, the heart of the believer is set on faith, trust, deeper intimacy, and relationship with the Father. And this is, this is a power commitment right here. Lord, I trust what you have declared in your word. More than I trust and believe my circumstances. How many can see that the world's trying to, got quite a sales pitch going on, right? You Christians, you got nothing. We're big. We're big. We're powerful. You better be scared of us. We got, we got stuff going on. And God, Jehovah, he just laughs. Read Psalm 2. Read Psalm 14. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The kings of the earth take their stand against the Lord and against his anointed. He who sits in the heavens laughs. A couple times in scripture, it says that God laughs. And that's one. He laughs at the wicked. Lastly, draw a couple of eyeballs here. This is on the last one. Oh, and that's that, that other one. That was a heart. That fourth one. Fourth point, that was a heart. The heart of the believer is set. Set. My compass is set on his presence. I can't wait to get back into his presence. David said this so many different ways. He said, 
I'd, I'd be a doorman at your house. I'll be a doorman. He's the king. You got to get, get the picture. He's the king. He's running the whole place. And he says, I just want to be a doorman at your house. Can I stay here? I just, I just want to be close to you. That's who this man is. Men, we can pursue God in manly ways that will radically change our relationships, right? They will radically change our church. They will radically change this culture. Can you change this culture? I say that you can. You have the authority right here, right? What you say and how you live. Lastly, these are the eyeballs. Draw two eyeballs. The spiritual eyes, this is implied. It's not stated in the psalm, but it's implied. The spiritual eyes of the believer are set on the kingdom. The kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is on fire. It's like crazy. Wrong is right. Right is wrong. Boys are girls. Girls are boys. What's going on? And the kingdom says, you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these other things, all these things. My friend shared that with me. It was so powerful. All these things. Everybody say that. All these things. All these things. He knows all you need. All these things will be added to you. Seek him first. See, God, God cares about your economy. And that's his economy. He says, you want to step into my economy? Seek first the kingdom. His righteousness. All these other little things, they're nothing to him. They're easy for him. Can we be a church who's going to prove that? God first. As we saw with the honey, David said, and I, I drew some pictures with, with the notes here. Your word, draw a little picture of a book. Your word is sweeter than honey. I drew a little honeybee there. I'm not a great artist, but it doesn't matter, right? What we're doing is we are triggering our own memory that we realize and remember these things. Your word is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Everybody say honeycomb. We learned something today, didn't we? Thank you, Anne. Thank you, Steve, for sharing these things this morning. David's life illustrates that what you plant produces in kind. Have you ever known a farmer who plants a seed to get a seed? They plant a seed to get hundredfold. How about if you plant a thousand seeds? You get tens of thousands. How about if you plant a million seeds? You're going to get so much. It's going to be a wonderful harvest. This is the daily walk with him. We keep planting seeds of relationship, of reminding ourselves who he is. I will bless the Lord at all times, even in my challenging circumstances, even when I don't understand, I'm going to believe you. This is a faith walk. This is real life. This is what we're encouraging each other, challenging each other to walk in, right? You plant seeds and it produces in kind. It produces the same and it multiplies. That's a wonderful thing. Because every minute you give to God, you know what he's going to do? He's going to multiply it. And he's going to give it back to you. It's going to come back as blessing in your home, in your relationships, in your work, in your economy, in every part of your life. God's word is going to multiply. Because he says, I bless you. I bless you. You're mine. What parent does not want to bless their child, right? I bless you. Oh, yes. Holy God. Oh, shalom to your home. That's another thing. Shalom to your home. Whose home wants, to sh wants a shalom of God? Shalom presence of God. He says, yes, I bless you. You're after me. I'm going to bless you, right? And we, through this psalm, it's not about us. It's about the word of God. We planted these seeds into our marriage, into our children's lives. Praise God. They are, they are blessing us in our older years. Thank you, Jesus. And the word, God's word is faithful. It says in Isaiah, doesn't return void. You won't put that seed in the ground and go, oh, nothing ever came of it. I guess that was just a fairy tale. No way. Come on. He's looking for people who are going to prove him. Yeah. Believe him. Yeah, 
worship. Oh, I've got some good quotes about worship. We're running out of time here. But I will say one thing. This is from Jeff Dale's book, Awakening Pure Worship. Michael, thank you for lending that book to me. He says, a few months before my grandmother passed away, I had a chance to ask her, if you could do anything different with your life, what would you do? Without hesitation, without blinking, she quickly said, I would have read my Bible more. Interesting, out of all the things she could have put on her do-over list, this was what she said. We weren't having a conversation about spiritual things. I was simply hoping to learn something from someone who had experienced more of life than I. So what are we pursuing? What are we after? Great job, new boat, great car, American dream, got it all together, dudes. Come on, look at my Facebook page or whatever it is, right? Come on, I got it. What are we pursuing? Pursue this earth and the things of this world, and that's what you'll get. Amen. That's what you'll end up with, right? He said to the rich man, what shall I profit a man that he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Your life is worth more. Your soul is more valuable than anything else in this world. That's why the devil is after, after in that war. He wants to discourage you. Pursue heavy, heavenly things, pursue the heart of God, and you will get both. I was going to start this talk this morning on a lifetime guarantee. I have a great opportunity for you. It is the opportunity of a lifetime. When we cleaned out my grandparents' house, which was, again, some decades ago, I noticed that there were appliances in their house, and they had some words on them that I don't see anymore. They said, lifetime guarantee. America used to make things that would last a lifetime and more. Now you're glad if it lasts a year. And then you throw it away and buy something else. We have a lifetime guarantee. Everything you pour into your spiritual life, he's going to multiply it. It's going to bless you. It's going to bless generations after you. So it's not just about you. It's about your children. And David talks about your children's children. And those who have children's children, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Blessing starts unfolding. And you realize, oh, that's what God was doing. It wasn't just about changing diapers and running faster and going, getting to work and keeping my car running. It wasn't just about that. It's about the unfolding of the generations. Seek first the kingdom. Lastly, information is good, isn't it? We have a lot of information, man. You can be on YouTube, TED Talks. I don't even know all the, what do they call them? Uh, what do they call them, Andrew, those? Uh, podcasts, yeah. That's the new thing. Oh, yeah, let's listen to the podcast. There's a lot of information, but how much application? How about if you just apply? How about if we just apply one thing that Pastor Paul says? We come out of here, we go, I'm, I'm camping on that. I will. I will not go through another week. <laughs> Robot time. Just get through my work. Oh, yeah, I guess I'll go to church. No, he's going, I want to energize. I want to I radically change every part of your life. So we're talking application here. The psalmist David is calling us to push out into the deep. Many are sitting there at the water's edge. Yeah, I'm a Christian. It's so good, man. It is fun. We just love going to the ocean. I love God's presence. Love to worship. David's saying, those who are mature come out into the deep. Are you ready to leave that? You ready to leave your bucket and your shovel and get out where it's really challenging and the adventure calls you every, every single minute you are challenged. I know some of you are nodding. You're there. It may be time for you to leave the shallow end of the pool. You could be a really great swimmer, man. I could be really great in the three-foot end of the pool because you can always just touch down, right? But how about in the deep end? David's saying, come on, out in the deep end. It may be time for us to try. Oh, I wanted to say, anybody have foods that you just hated as a kid? Oh, yeah. I sure did. Onions, tomatoes, 
and liver. We're having liver tonight. And there was this little spot under the table where I could take a little bit and just put it on that shelf. And I wouldn't have to eat that bite. And how, did you notice as you grew older, you started kind of liking that? Can you eat tomatoes now? Onions, liver, come on, liver and onions. Yes, yes. It may be time for us to try some new foods, some new old foods. There we go, ah, I don't like that. Just want ice cream all the time. That's what babies at the edge of the water want. Just feed me ice cream, get some more candy, mom. Grown-ups leave the, those old things and they try new things. It may be time for us to step into the more, put quotes around that, the more of worship. There's a surface meaning, it's good. But how about if we go deep, deeper. Make his praise glorious in your workplace, in your home. Are we perfect? Nope. Nope. But my home's going to be a sanctuary where my kids begin to understand what it means to pursue God in our home. It's not just something we do at church because Pastor Paul encourages us to do these things. No, God's saying this is the blessed life. This is the abundant life. Are we ready for the more of worship, of relationship with God? the deeps of great faith walk. God's looking for men and women who will walk with him just like David did. In what ways, oh, here's, before I say that, take a risk. You ready to take a risk? I, I just talked with someone this morning that started a new adventure. He's taking a risk. What does risk and adventure challenge us to do? Dig deep, right? Bigger competition, bigger challenge. I got to depend on, on the Lord every single minute, right? Take a risk, adventure with God today. That's when we're really alive. Because how many days go one after the other and you don't remember much of anything about them? But when you worship him, you remember that place and he speaks to you. You remember where you were. In what ways am I actively pursuing the kingdom? In what ways am I actively pursuing deeper relationship with the king? He's welcoming us. In what ways am I actively pursuing righteousness? Let's pray together. Thank you, Father in heaven, for your word. Oh, it's so good. We love your word, Lord. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Thank you for David. This man who was such a prophetic declaration in his time, but he gave us this gift. Bless each one. Help us to go after you with passion, with hunger, with purpose, with will. I will. I will bless the Lord. Thank you for all your people. We love your church. We love your people. We love this day and give you thanks for it. Amen. Amen. Everybody be blessed. Have a great day. It's the best day of the week.